Welcome, friends. On this podcast, we talk about a lot of things, mostly prayer, but also spiritual warfare, parenting adult kids, and what it's like to be a woman of God living in an increasingly post-Christian world. This is the place where I share interviews with people whose lives have greatly influenced mine. And it's also the place where I sometimes take a deep dive into a prayer lesson that has impacted my life. That's what I'm doing today. For years, I've heard about people exercising their spiritual authority in prayer, and I have been confused about what that meant. They cite Matthew 16 and 18 as the biblical basis of their faith, and then they challenge me to bind and loose and win the victory that already belongs to me. Only too many times I try to bind and loose and I don't win. But lately, our prayer clinic team members have celebrated answered prayer after answered prayer, all the way to the point that we eagerly embrace every new request that comes our way because we can't wait to see how God's going to deliver the answer. That's not to say that we don't get discouraged sometimes, especially when Satan seems to have a heyday in our own lives. But nevertheless, we're experiencing God's answers to our prayers, and we know by experience that he means what he says when he's assured us that he hears and answers us when we pray. That might be why I was immediately hooked into Tony Evans' teaching on binding and loosing in our prayer lives. There's a lot of bad teaching surrounding the concept of binding and loosing, but Tony Evans shoots straight. He explains what Jesus meant when he challenged his disciples with the charge to bind and loose so that even the gates of hell would not prevail against them. Pastor Evans explains the role of the church and the relationship we share with each other when we pray together. I couldn't help but see the prayer clinic as a perfect place to bind and loose and therefore have an incredible impact on the lives of the people that we live with and the people we fellowship with, the people that we're in faith family relationship with that we call the church. And to be able to impact their lives with heaven's good pleasure is an incredible ministry. I hope you enjoyed this message as much as I did. I used Tony Evans' message as my basis and just launched from there. Of course, I've got a link to his message included in the show notes. In Matthew 16, 19, Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Many times we hear this verse and we take it terribly out of context. We go about binding in Jesus' name and loosing in Jesus' name and wondering in Jesus' name why nothing is happening. I listened to this message by Tony Evans on this particular scripture. And I ended up posting it on my Facebook page if you want to go and listen to the entire message yourself. Of course, I've got a link to it in my show notes as well. But let me quote um, Tony Evans. Well, let me, before I quote him, let me read you this. In his message, Tony Evans explained what Jesus meant when he declared that we have the powerful privilege and responsibility to bind and loose while living on earth. This is what he said. Kingdom 
prayer is divinely authorized access for heaven to invade earth. Think about that. Kingdom prayer is us being welcome to show up in the throne room of God, not only with access, but we're urged to come with confidence. And from that privileged position, we get to ask for and receive heaven's response to earth's desperate need. Evan said this, prayer is powerful because heaven responds. So how do we exercise authority when we pray? Binding and loosing is not a magical formula for you to get God to do what you want him to do. Prayer is not some kind of white magic or hocus pocus that if we just figure it out, we get to have the power to control situations that might otherwise be out of our control. I have to confess that some of my initial interest in prayer ministry was really a baptized pursuit for the power to control my life, or maybe even for the power to control the lives of others, which is even more scary. (laughs) If I could just figure out the secret to get God to do what I wanted him to do, think of how good I would be at fixing things. Isn't this the root of sin? Choosing to live life on our own terms rather than God's? We have to be careful to understand that prayer is powerful only when it's Christ-centered, not me-centered. Evans made the emphasis in his message of the word whatever in Matthew 16, 19. Whatever you bind and whatever you loose will be bound and loosed. Think about the scope of this. There's no exception, no escape clause, no whatever you pray for, except for this, it's like whatever you bind and whatever you loose, it will be done. When we operate in our God-given authority in prayer, heaven's going to back us up. The way that Evans explained it was, it was kind of like God saying to us, I got you. I've got you in this. I've I've got you back. I'm going to take care of it. When you go out there and you are binding and you are loosing, you are actively engaged in, um, in declaring heaven's good pleasure in those situations and circumstances. I've got you. I'm going to back you up. I'm going to make sure that what you're doing will happen. Even though we're the ones doing the binding and we're the ones doing the loosing. And my friends, when I was listening to him say this, and uh, not exactly like I just said it. Now, mind you, I'm taking his message and kind of putting it in my words and just sort of like doing an oral report over his sermon. (laughs) So you definitely want to go hear him do it because he does it like only he can. But what I want you to know is as I was thinking and listening to him teach, I, I, I just wanted to jump up and say, this is exactly what we do in the prayer clinic ministry. We, we take whatever, whatever is brought our way and we bind it and we loose it and to whatever God wants to do in response to it. Evan said, God will back up legitimate binding and loosing. And whatever God binds and looses is bound and loosed indeed. He explained (coughs) that to bind means to restrict, lock, tie down, hold back, keep it from doing what it wants to do. That's what we do when we bind. We keep something from happening. To loose means to unlock, release, permit, or free something up. 
He explained that when we bind the schemes of the enemy, we bind the schemes of the enemy that are coming our way. These are the temptations, the threats, the beginnings of disaster that come after us. We loose, on the other hand, the strongholds that have already tied us up, the relationships that are already broken, and the addictions that are already stealing, killing, and destroying us. So, in context, though, the biblical context, we see that this authority is not given to individuals but to the church. Let me read to you Matthew 16, 13 through 18. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of, the man, of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. <coughs> Jesus took his disciples away from the crowds to Caesarea Philippi. A focal point in this city was a cave where the, literally the headwaters of the Jordan River would flow out of this cave. Jesus and his disciples were most likely sitting where they could see the cave. And this cave entrance was a place of pagan worship called, are you ready for this? The Gates of Hell. You can visit this spot today, and we do when we take groups to Israel. And I, I looked at the Gates of Hell in Caesarea Philippi, and I found an article that described what goes, what went on there and what it was like during Jesus's day. And I'm going to quote or just read you a little piece of this article. The pagans of Jesus's day commonly believed that their fertility gods lived in the underworld during the winter and returned to earth each spring. They saw water as a symbol of the underworld and thought that their gods traveled to and from that world through caves. To the pagan mind then, the cave and spring water at Caesarea Philippi created a gate to the underworld. They believed that their city was literally at the gates of the underworld or the gates of hell. In order to entice the return of their god Pan each year, the people of Caesarea Philippi engaged in horrible disease, deeds, including prostitution and sexual interaction between humans and goats. Can you imagine this? This, at this spot, was where Peter declared Jesus the Messiah. And Jesus proclaimed that on the rock of Peter's faith, he would build his church. And his church would hold the keys of the kingdom of heaven. When you hold the keys, you have authority to open and shut, to lock and unlock. I'll never forget in my first job at the YMCA when they gave me the keys I felt like I was somebody. Man, I had the authority to lock and unlock a lot of things. Doors and lockers and buses even. <laughs> I had the keys. Jesus gave his disciples the authority to open and shut, to bind and loose. He was giving his disciples heaven's authority on earth. Now, this authority, though, wasn't given to individuals. It was given to the church. Jesus said, this is what Evans um, said 
in context of the authority that the church has in binding and loosing. Jesus said, I will build my church. Remember this, you come to church for preaching and singing and fellowship, but there's another purpose of the church that is critical. That purpose is legislating from the spiritual realm. To bring heaven to earth, when we pray, we are spiritually legislating eternity into time. Evans warned his listeners that if you're disconnected from the church, you're disconnected from its legal authority in the spiritual realm. The gates of hell shall not overpower the church. Hell can hinder you or me apart from the church, but hell doesn't stand a chance against the church. Imagine being Jesus' disciples, knowing what went on at the gates of hell in Caesarea Philippi, and then discovering that Jesus was giving you the power to prevail even over the pagan world. Now, Evan's take on the gates of hell was to talk about it in the context of its legal meaning in the biblical times. Gates were, um, were the place where legal transactions took place, where civil arrangements were made. Do you remember Ruth and Naomi and Boaz and how the exchange of, um, of, of property was made at the gate? And it's at the gates. The men would sit at the gates, not just to twiddle their thumbs and people watch, but they would sit at the gates in order to do the business of the city. They would take care of, of things. They would often sit at the gates and, and legislate um, disputes and make legal arrangements and those kinds of things. So the gate was like their city hall. Evans then went on to explain that hell doesn't defeat you with power Hell defeats you with legality. And this is what he said. The gates of hell shall not overpower the church. The keys of the kingdom, which is full access to God and authority to legislate his will on earth, I could add, as it is in heaven, has been given to us. It's been given to the church. When we exercise this authority, Jesus is assuring us that he's got our back. I love it because in the prayer clinic, what do we give the people that come for prayer, but little bracelets that say, God's got this. And so what we're basically saying is God's got us. God's got it taken care of. We have bound, we have loosed, and now we're anchoring ourselves on the certainty that God's got this. No longer do we have to manage it and handle it and hold on to it. We've bound it. We've loosed it. Now God's got this. When we pray, we're binding and losing what's coming out of hell. When you're binding something, you're tying it up. Something's coming after you that you want held back from you. And in holding evil back, we bind it. We lose the things that have already got to us. The devil's work is already controlling something in our lives. Either we're already living in defeat or relational discord. There's an addiction that's already taken hold of us and we are miserable. So binding is keeping the devil off and loosing is getting him off. Hell influences everything. To bind it is to keep it from having an illegitimate dominant influence. Those were Dr. Evans' words. To bind hell is to keep it from having an illegitimate dominant influence. 
To lose is to release it from the illegitimate dominant influence that it already has. It's our responsibility and our job to bind and loose. And whatever we bind and whatever we lose, God's got it. There was another addendum to the message where Dr. Evans came on and he explained conditional um, uh, promises of God and unconditional promises. And in the conditional promises area, this binding and loosening is, he said, when you bind it and when you loose it, I'm going to take care of it. But if nobody is binding and nobody is loosing, then a whole lot of, um, of influence of hell is going on in our world unchecked because it's not being bound up and it's not being torn away. So if we're not actively engaged in it, it's not happening. It is, let me read again. It's our responsibility and our job to bind and loose. Whatever we bind, whatever we lose, God's going to take care of it. The prayer clinic is the church binding and loosing. As a member of the prayer team, we hold the keys. We hold the keys because we are the church. We are the church gathered together, organized, sanctioned by, participating in, and supporting. We are the church. And because we're in active fellowship, we are not only participating, but contributing members of our church, then we have these keys and they happen to be the only keys that work for the situations that are brought to us. And before we finish, I want to include this part of what Tony Evans shared. It's from Matthew 18 verses 18 through um, 20. No, let's see. It's from Matthew 18 verses 18 and 19. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Look at that promise. And my friends, this is what we do in the prayer clinic ministry. In the prayer clinic ministry, we are gathered and there are always more than two. And what do I say to churches starting prayer clinics? You got to have at least three people. So when two or three of you agree on earth, it shall be done. Now, again, Dr. Evans refer, um, made reference to the fact that two or three witnesses were legally binding. And this was very much a biblical concept. Often witnesses were used to confirm something. This is what we're seeking to do in the spiritual realm. We are just doing in the spiritual realm what they were very familiar with in the civil realm. And these two or three people can't just be two or three people you agree with because you agree. They have to be two or three people that are a part of an active, engaged, and submitted and surrendered part of the church. The church is the authorized legal entity from heaven to earth. Binding and loosing has been delegated to the church. And so in the context of the prayer clinic ministry, where you have a group of people committed, trained, and equipped to pray with other people, the binding and loosing prayers, which is literally scripture that we pray into their situations and their lives, we are, in essence, binding and loosing the influence of hell that is coming against them or that already has taken hold of them. And when we do this, because we are two or three gathered together, 
then Jesus has promised that we get what we ask for. In fact, he's promised that we get anything that we ask. I don't know about you, but as an active member of a dynamic prayer team operating in our church, we're seeing this truth revealed in real time. Every week, we ask Kevin to intervene on our behalf, binding what Satan's bringing against our people and loosing them from what he's already done to them. His hold is illegitimate and his influence is losing its power. When we bind and loose, we are inviting heaven's authority to intervene on our behalf in this moment in time, and then we're defeating literally the gates of hell. And of course, the two or three must agree with the authority of Jesus. That's when whatever and anything will be done. So we're not just on a whim, naming and claiming and taking care of business like we are the God on the throne. No, 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 no. We are literally doing what the scripture tells us to do, and that is to actively bind and actively loose as we trust God to bring about the results that he um, deems best. And we know that we're operating under God's banner, under the tent of his presence, under the power of his presence, and under the wisdom of his response, whatever it might be. And so Dr. Evans took us to Moses in Exodus 17, beginning in verse 8, to emphasize what I'm saying about us operating with um, divine authority but also out uh, um, in a position of, of, of humbled submission to that authority. So in Mo, you're, you're thinking like, what on earth does Moses in Exodus 17 have to do with this? You remember how he held up his rod as the Israelites fought in the valley below? You can find that whole story over there in 17. Israel's battle was fought in the valley but it was won on the mountain. They won because of God's authority. Too many times in our churches, we're trying to win in the valley, but the problem is not solved in the valley. The battle is fought in the battle in the valley, but the problem is solved on the hilltop. You remember Moses got tired. Dr. Evans said he got sick and tired. I don't know about you, but there have been some times in the spiritual battle that I have gotten sick and tired. And when he got tired, he started to droop. And the enemy began to prevail because the symbol of authority, Moses holding his rod up as a symbol of God's authority over the battle. When he got tired and that rod fell down, that symbol of authority was lost. So what happened? Two other men came along to hold his arms up. And when they came alongside of him and they held his arms up, then Israel prevailed in the battle below. What was happening on the ground was not ultimately determined by what they were doing on the ground. The power and victory and authority came from the invisible realm. And here's the story. Oh, darn, I don't have it pulled up right now. Hang on a second. 
Sorry about that. Uh, it's not the story I'm about to read. It's the end of the story that I want to read. And here's what it says. In Exodus chapter 17, I'm going to pick up in verse 13. This is after the battle has been won. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. And then Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. What might've happened if Joshua came up to the top of that hill once the battle was won and started boasting about the strength of his warriors and the strategy of his leaders. That, that, my friends, is what happens in our churches a lot. We make heroes out of the pastors. We, we, we invite the leaders of dynamic, growing churches to come and lead the conferences. But what if the growth of the church has very little to do with the dreams and schemes and vision casting and hard work of the staff and the pastors and has a whole lot more to do with the authority of God that everybody knows, the pastor and the people who pray know that that's where the power is coming from. You see, what I love about Joshua is that he knew that the victory belonged to the Lord because he could measure what was going on in the battle. He saw when Moses got tired and his arms fell down that suddenly that battle raged and the intensity of the warfare grew worse and his people started getting pushed back. And then boom, when Moses' arms started being lifted high, whoosh, it was as if um, they, they, uh, suddenly the battle got easier and they were able to do things without so much resistance. I, I get passionate about this because I've been in the prayer ministry for a very long time. And I've been in the prayer ministry when um, all the leaders in the church really understood this is what matters. The prayer It's when we're praying and they themselves will come back and testify that the reason there's such a move of the spirit amongst the people and in the worship services and at the camps and all these things is because of the binding and loosing that's going on in the team of people who are praying. And then when our, when our leaders and when their volunteers begin to understand this, and they also understand that the Lord is our banner. We're not our banner. We don't predict our success. We don't make our success. All we do is what we know how to do. We go, we fight the battle. We sit in the classes, we teach the children. We sing with them. We, we set up the logistics so that we can manage the crowd when it comes. We don't get to decide how many children accept Jesus as their savior. Do you know that on the 211th day of this year, our church had baptized 210 people. I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this to let you know that I know good and well, that is not something that we do. That is the Lord doing what only he can do. 
when he answers these prayers that we're seeing answered, when he heals those that are sick, when he um, settles issues that are overwhelming and then boom, they're taken care of. When he brings the prodigals home, this is what only God can do. And this is what we want to be a part of so that people can understand who God is and what it means to live a life that is um, impacted and inundated with the authority and the power of heaven being released on our platform. It's taken back territory that belongs to God. It's advancing the kingdom by establishing God's rule, God's reign, God's authority in each and every home, in each and every situation. Back to Exodus 17, what I love is that the enemy of me is the enemy of the Lord. And I can count on God to be my banner, the one who watches over the one who binds and the one who looses. He's the one who fulfills his promises, keeps his word, intervenes in response to our prayers and demonstrates his power and his love on the platforms of our lives. My friends, too many churches are missing out on the authority we have to bind Satan's illegitimate attack against us and to loose his illegitimate hold on us. People need to know that they attend church to develop relationships with other believers, to worship God, to grow in biblical knowledge and understanding, and to defeat Satan when he schemes against us. I couldn't help but listen to Tony Evans' message and get all excited about the prayer clinic ministry. With the prayer clinic, we give you a way to recruit, train, and equip a team of people who know how to exercise the spiritual authority we have to defeat Satan and his influence in our lives and in the lives of the people who are part of our church. Jesus gave us authority to bind and to loose. We exercise that authority connected with the church in unity with each other and centered on his lordship. The prayer clinic is a place people can come for prayer. Prayer clinic team members pray the word of God over their circumstances. Then we stay with them and track the way God responds to our prayers. We continue praying until God answers our prayers. When we track the answers to those prayers, God is glorified. His name is made known. What he's able to do, we get to see him doing. And our congregation gets to see just what happens when we pray. The prayer clinic is the heartbeat of the prayer ministry at Thompson Station Church. Just think what life would have been like had the Israelites had only themselves to depend on that day they fought Amalek. Too many of our churches are doing just that. They're fighting their battles in the valley without any prayer covering on the top of the hill. God is willing and eager to be our banner today, just as he was in Moses' day. But he's waiting on us to exercise the authority he's given us to bind and loose in community with each other, circled up with two and three. Let me show you how you can do this with the prayer clinic ministry. Just go to prayerclinic.com. And, and sign up and participate in the virtual prayer clinic open house. When you complete the open house, let's chat. Thank you, my friends, for listening to today's podcast. I hope that you learned something about taking authority. 
over those schemes that the enemy is bringing against you. Let's bind him up and then let's loose. Let's pray those prayers to loose his stronghold, his claws, his grip that he has on us and the people that we love. Please share this podcast with friends who will be encouraged to listen. I look forward to being with you again next week.